I'm the only one. All right. Well, listen. Okay, I got a couple. Yeah, man, there are some times where you're not always able to specifically identify what has your heart open wide, but you're just so grateful to God. And, um, and I feel that way this way. Uh, I think part of it is because I do love the season. I, I love the Christmas season. And, and I'm not one who, who I hold the holidays and my faith very loosely. I don't, I don't connect them together. So I don't get stuffy about it. Uh, I think Christmas, the holiday is a great time. It's fun. It's fun to see people shopping. It's fun to see decorations. Uh, it's fun. I don't think that Christmas pollutes my faith because it's not a faith thing. It's an American holiday, a Western cultured holiday. So I hold it very loosely together. I enjoy the season because it's a time uh, that we get to see the joyfulness in people. And it's a cherry on top that it's a time that we get to spread the love of Christ throughout our culture and throughout the communities because we also celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's uh, kind of what we want to talk about and what we've been dealing with in this series that we've entitled Emmanuel. Now, if you've been with us over the last few weeks, what we've been doing is we've been building a sentence uh, to hopefully build more of a robust understanding about what and who Emmanuel is. And so uh, up until this point, we've talked about Emmanuel, which means God with us. And we talked about first week, his eminence, the fact that he is very present with us. And then we talked about that he came so he's Emmanuel, eminence in power. He's our strong and powerful God. And then last week, Pastor Matt talked about that also he's in pursuit. The fact that God pursues us. Now, that gave my heart joy. I don't know about you all, but being able to sit and trace the times, the seasons, in which I was very certain that the Lord pursued me. We always hear people say, man, well, you know, when I found God. Well, last time I checked, God has never been lost. God has never been lost. God's GPS is always working. He always knows where he is. God has never been lost. The fact is, is that we have. And because we were lost, God pursued us, and he welcomed us back into the fold. And today, we'll talk about not only is he in pursuit, in power, in minute, but also that he is in person during this season as we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I want to read just a a passage, man, that speaks to that, just about also his eminence, his power, and pursuit uh, in, in our text. And it's Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. Luke chapter 1, 6, 26 through, I'm sorry, 38. It says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. 
for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Do you see that in that passage? Do you see God in power and in pursuit of Mary? Gabriel calls Mary highly favored, but as you read and you look at the text, he tells us all about Mary there. There's nothing particularly special about Mary. There's nothing. She's not some extremely or extraordinary holy person. She's not some extraordinarily gifted woman. There's nothing that would make you look at Mary and say, man, that is a favored person. Mary is favored by God simply because God says so. Because God looks at her and says to her that you have found favor with God. But also we know that there's nothing particularly special about Mary because Mary doesn't even think so. When the angel speaks to her, the angel says, well, how how can this be? There is a certain level of uncertainty and insecurity in that comment. As Mary is trying to figure out, what is it about me that the Lord would come? And how is it possible that I am a virgin that the Lord could even say that he's going to have a child through me? Mary doesn't possess any extraordinary abilities. She's just a woman whom the Lord decided because he has the power to do so. And he pursues her to say, you are highly favored of the Lord, Mary. You have found favor with God. Those moments are great. And Mary, Mary sees this, and as I'm thinking, her question is, is deeper than the reality of her just being a virgin or just fitting the description of what a favorite woman looked like. This is, this is one of those too-good-to-be-true moments. As, as Mary is there, she's visited by an angel. An angel shares with her or gives her this prophecy about something great that's going to happen in her life. Mary, this ordinary woman, asks a question because as she is sitting in front of the angel, she's having a moment that's too good to be true. You ever experienced moments like that? Or have, you, have you ever heard about something that's too good to be true? Man, it happens all the time. Just turn on the television. There are a lot of things on the tube that are too good to be true. Let me give you a couple of examples. Every magical pill that suggests that if you just take this for the next 30 days to the rest of your life, you will lose weight is too good to be true. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. It ain't going to happen until you pull away from the table, get on the treadmill, Jamel, and have some type of self-restriction. That's the only thing that's going to work. But a magical pill and some magical device isn't going to do the work for you. You've got to do the work. It's too good to be true. Or, or every get-rich program and plan. Every get-rich program and plan that says if you invest $49.99 into this process, then I promise you, you will be wealthy and your children's children will be wealthy. If you just give me $49.95, I'll expose to you secrets that people have not discovered since the beginning of time. All of those things are too good to be true. It just ain't going to happen. If you want to have wealth, how about you do this? Save some money first, make some wise investments, and let the time happen. Develop a discipline, whether that's with your fitness, your health, or your finances, discipline happens there. Those things are too good to be true. But I'll tell you something that sounds too good to be true, yet it is true. And that's the word that the angel Gabriel said to Mary. You are favored by God. 
you are favored by God. It sounds too good to be true, but it's very true because what the angel was talking about is the grace that the Lord was bestowing upon his child, his creation, his beloved Mary. The miracle that God wanted to do in her, in her life, although it sounded too good to be true in the ears of Mary, that miracle was not too good to be true. It was very good and it was very true because the Lord proclaimed it upon her. And what you may not know is that that reality not only applies to Mary, but it applies to us as well. What we are experiencing today is the fruits, the remnants of what the angel spoke to Mary that very day. And we have that very same favor, that grace of God that has come upon us. And it is impressive and it is not too good to be true. It is true because the Lord says so. You have been favored by God, not because you're special, not because you're so great, but because the Lord says so. And because the Lord says so, he loves you unconditionally, and he just wants you to know how loved he is. For Mary, he says, I'm going to demonstrate this to you by placing something in you that will change the world. For you, that means the Lord has placed a gift inside of you, something he has put inside of you for you to change and infect and impact your family, your friends, your job, your workplace, your community. He's birthing something in you because he wants you to know that you are favored by him so that you can impact and change the world. And I love it, man, that this season, what we're celebrating is the fact that in order to do that, rather than leaving us to figure it out on our own, he came for us to demonstrate what it looks like. And to show us just how great it was. It made me think about something. It made me think about this, this book that I read some time ago. And it actually was a movie about a man. The, the time was 1959. And there was a man by the name of John Howard Griffin. John Howard Griffin from Texas. Uh, the story is John Howard Griffin despised racism. And he was, he was upset about the reality that he did not know what it felt like to suffer as a result of the hate that was prevalent in the South. So John Howard Griffin then went and undergone a temporary uh, surgery and took some pills to turn his skin black so that he could live in the South for some months as a black man so that he could understand what it was like to live and to experience this, the oppression and the pain that was occurring because of the racist South. And he lived in, in New Orleans and he lived in Mississippi and Alabama for a short period of time and he chronicled that in a book that's called Black Like Me in a movie that came out in the 70s about the same thing. Or, or I thought about, man, a, a movie, a silly movie, man. Me and my wife love it. Uh, it's called Shallow Hal. You ever seen Shallow Hal? Yeah, 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 with uh, Jack Black and Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, the story's told Gwyneth Paltrow, she plays in the movie a morbidly obese woman. And, um, and she thought it would be funny, her and the costume designer, they thought it would be funny to go down to the hotel where they were staying when they were filming the movie. They thought it would be pretty cool that if Gwyneth Paltrow put on her makeup and her fat suit and they went from their room down to the hotel restaurant to see how would people respond to Gwyneth Paltrow in public dressed as the morbidly obese woman that she was playing on the movie. She goes down into the, to the restaurant and Gwyneth Gwyneth says she was incredibly disturbed by the way that people treated her. 
that there were people who wouldn't even look her in her eyes. There were people who wouldn't even speak to her, that the waiter barely smiled at her. She said, never in my life have I experienced such pain and such, such oppression because of what I physically looked like. Well, listen, both John Howard Griffin and Gwyneth Paltrow are exhibiting something that we are celebrating this season. The word is called incarnation. And what we are celebrating this season is the incarnation of God. The fact that like Gwyneth Paltrow put on a fat suit Jack, uh, and uh, John Howard Griffin put on a black suit, we're celebrating the season when God put on a flesh suit. And he came down to live amongst us so that he could experience the very same things that we experience in this world. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews, he speaks about it in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, talking about how God, he says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Our God is this. He came into the world. He lived like us, put on his flesh suit, and showed us the power that he holds, that he can live in this world and be sinless. He had to be sinless so that we could have life. And he lived that way for you and I, my brothers and sisters. In fact, the disciples once posed the question, what manner of man is this that the winds and the waves obey him? I'd like to ask my own question. What manner of God is this that he would make himself like us just so that he could save us? These thoughts, ma'am, are what kind of led me to, to the focal passage for today. And, uh, and I want us to unpack just real briefly, and then um, you can get back to, man, shopping and buying your favorite things. If you have your Bibles, open them up uh, to the gospel according to John chapter 1. And we'll just read verse 14 from the New International Version. John 1, chapter 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came for the Father, full of grace and truth. On her uh, 12th birthday, the, the, the classic rocker Billy Joel called his daughter as he was across the country and um, to call and to wish her a happy birthday because he wouldn't be there. And he said, when you wake up, there's, there's going to be a big box uh, as, as a gift, my gift to you. And so she, she woke up, and sure as her dad said, she woke up, and in the living room was a huge package that was delivered to her for her birthday. And when she opened the package, just scurrying, just full of joy to see what it was, when she got to the box and she lifted the lid off, inside the box was not some gift, but it was her father. Yeah. And when God saw what he wanted and what he desired from our people, for, for his people, Rather than giving us something that would probably satisfy us for the moment, giving us some special thing that would just make us feel good or some moment of temporary satisfaction or gratification, rather than that, our greatest need, had it been information, God would have sent us somebody who specializes in technology. Or if our greatest need would have been money, then God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need was pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainment. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And rather than sending us something that would only make us feel good for the moment, since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. 
And I love, I love in the Christmas season how we celebrate the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so close to the ending of a year. Because what that then does is it makes us, it forces us to reflect. And we begin to ask the question right now in this season as we're nearing December 31st, what is my new year going to look like? Well, I think it's pretty cool that seven days before the new year, we celebrate the birth of Christ. Because perhaps we can begin to think about it. Remember, if I'm going to have a good 2019, I've got to start with celebrating and bringing Jesus along with me into the new year. That's what the gift of Christ does for us. We reflect on the previous year, the blessings and the challenges, and we see those places where God's hand is prevalent and also those places where we wish that we would have handled him. We reflect on our own decision-making, getting to ask ourselves about our accomplishments and goals and how can we build upon those things for the next year. So I say that because there's a, there's a subtle message there. And the message is, since we've got a new year that we're headed into, and since we've got a Savior who came to us, then what the subtle message there for us is don't go into the new year without the Savior. But in order to go into the new year with the Savior, we've got to recognize the pertinence, the importance of this day in which we're celebrating, the importance of the incarnation of Christ wrapping himself in flesh so that we can experience that. So here's my message for you, that you would not allow December 25th to end that day. That you won't allow the Christmas spirit to end on December 25th. That you'll wake up on December 26th still saying that God came for me. That God wrapped himself up for me, not just for me to celebrate on one day, but that God came for me so that he can remain with me. God came for me. It's powerful. In our sin, we, we needed forgiveness. God came for me. And I've been trying to wrap my, my mind around this idea uh, all week. As a matter of fact, I even solicited the help of my wife. My wife is, if y'all don't know, she's the rom-com queen. She, she knows every romantic comedy that you've ever, ever, ever watched and seen or heard of. So I, I, I asked her, is there a movie that, that, that perfectly illustrated or best illustrated what I'm trying to say with this idea that we were in need, needing of the love of Christ, and he, he came for us? And, and she gave me an answer. She gave me an answer. There's a movie by Tyler Perry called Good Deeds. And in Good Deeds, Tyler Perry is this millionaire, billionaire CEO. And he's got everything going for him in the world, but in his building, he falls for a janitor in his building. And the entire movie is this, this high-level CEO trying to demonstrate to this custodian at his building that he owns that even though he's this high-level custodian, he can still love her. And the movie culminates, the end of the movie, the, the happy moment is this. In order to truly demonstrate how great his love was for her, the CEO who had it all gave it all up so that he could leave where he was, he could be with her, and that they could ride off and he could know and she would know without a shadow of a doubt how much he loves her. That's what this season is about, is that the Lord was sitting in the heavens and he saw where we were. And although he had 
every ability and the means to call a board meeting. He could have called the council of angels. He could have sent another being into the planet. But rather than going that route, in, so, in order to show us how great his love for us, he came himself, left everything that he had, left everything within the heavens and wrapped himself up so that you and I would know just how much we were loved. That's how great his love is. That's how much we're celebrating. That's what we are celebrating in this season is that we serve a God who will go through hell and high water in order to show us and to demonstrate to us just how much we are loved, not because we deserve it, not because we're so special. He came for us because we need him. He came for us. We got to know that, man. We got to know it for a couple of reasons, man, because we find ourselves in two different positions in life. We find ourselves in positions where we find ourselves so high up. You ever been, life has been good. I mean, life has been good for you, man. You've got, you've got, man, you got two pennies in the bank. Uh, man, your job is working well. Man, you got a boo on your arm and, man, you're riding good. Your car ain't breaking down today. You ever had them good moments, man, where life is just, man, it's working all right. Man, it's working. It's working for you, right? Things are going pretty good. And, and sometimes, man, it gets to going so good that you forget that you need God daily. Yeah, and so rather than waking up every day and humbling yourself before the Lord and praying and asking the Lord to lead and to guide your steps this day, it's been going so good, man. You just find yourself waking up and just doing it all by yourself in your own power and in your strength. And sometimes what happens in that place, we get so high up, the Lord humbles us. So they will recognize, listen, where you are today isn't by your own means, but you need to know that I came for you. And what you're having, what you are celebrating did not come to you. It came through Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord God who provides. And whatever you're experiencing, it comes by me. Sometimes we've got to be humble, but there are all the other times where we've got to be elevated. Because sometimes, oftentimes in life, life hurts. And we heard about it this morning as we were preparing Issues come and problems arise and situations happen. And in this season, we, 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 we celebrate the coming of Christ and, and all the blessedness that comes with the holidays. But also equally, many of us celebrate, our, our, we feel the pain of loss. About family men who are no longer here. About moments that we're missing are not having enough to celebrate the way that we wish that we could. So our families could feel as blessed as we hope that we could. There's a lot of pain in this season. And just like, man, the Lord came for us and some of us have to be humble, he also came for us so that he could elevate some of us. To let us know that the favor that God has placed on you, just like the person who has experienced much, didn't do anything to deserve it, and God came for him. Also for you, my brother and sister, if you've experienced in a hard time, you need to know that there's nothing that you did to experience in a hard time. Life just happens. And that the Lord that you serve, the God that you serve, the one who is your Savior, who came to you, God in the flesh, came to let you know it doesn't matter how high you up or how low you up, you're still my child and I still have to come for you. The Lord comes for us in this season. This is, this is what we celebrate. The fact that he saw where we are and he came for us. Three quick things, my brothers and sisters, when we get out of here. Our text says, the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. Here's why you need Emmanuel. The first thing is that God shows up. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us here. We see John referring to Jesus as the word. You read it all through chapter 1 of John. At the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Why, 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 does, why does John call Jesus the word? Well, real simply. 
Everything, the fulfillment of every law and promise that God ever made is wrapped up in Jesus. So if you want to know, man, how, how to know a lot about God, you, you really don't have to read. I'd like for you to, but you don't have to read Genesis to Revelation. You just read the Gospels. And everything that you hope to know, everything that you hope for exists in the person. Every law, every promise that has been given to us is wrapped up in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. This means that not only does he come for us, but according to this text, it says that he dwelled among us. He lives with us. I love Emmanuel. Because not only does he come, but he comes and he stays. God shows up. What I love about this is this is both prescriptive and reflective. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't make a difference for today or tomorrow if it's not reflective. What, what, what we've got to do in our lives is we've got to recognize when it comes to the incarnation, when it comes to God showing up in our lives, is recognizing that God showing up isn't a new reality. He's always been here. And what we got to do going into the next year celebrating this day is sometimes rather than trying to pinpoint where is God today, turn around and remember those days when you thought God was absent and see how he kept you. Remember those days, man, when it was lonely and when it was dark and when people turned their back on you and those times when you didn't think that you was making through, those days when you had more month than money, those days when you felt lonely, those days when you felt unloved. And tell me there weren't times when you felt like you weren't going to make it through, when people had abandoned and turned your backs to you. Tell me that you don't remember those days, but also if you're here today, those days eventually came to an end, and the only way that they did is because the Lord was with you. The Lord was keeping you. He was there the entire time. God showing up isn't so you'll know that eventually he will. It's so that you'll understand is that he always was. If you go into 2019, the only reason you're going into 2019 is because God was here in 2018. And the only reason that we're here in 2018 is because God was faithful in 2017. And we can keep going back and back and back. And what we'll discover is the Lord has been here the entire time. I talk about, man, one of my favorite shows. Don't judge me, by the way. I know y'all. One church, I pray for y'all. Y'all judgment regularly. There's a show, man, that comes on WB called Supernatural. I love that show, man. I've seen every single episode of it, uh, and, and, and I, I'm a geek. I've raised a geek child, and so this is kind of what we do. Uh, I, I love the show, but in the show, man, the, the brothers, they, they are, they've been going through this entire story fighting demons and even angels um, through this time. And the entire time I've been watching, I've been watching it since 2007. The entire time that I've been watching it, I've been asking myself, there's demons, there's Satan, there's angels, but where's God? Like, I've been looking for him. Just, you know, there's demons, there's angels, there's Satan, but where's God? God's in conversation, but where is he? Well, just a couple of seasons ago, we weren't introduced, we were reintroduced to a character who had been on there for quite a while. And what we discovered is we thought this character was simply a prophet. But this character wasn't a prophet. He was God. And the entire time through the show, I've been asking, where's God? There's, there's demons, there's angels, there's Satan, but I don't see God anywhere. 
And the entire time, God's been there, and the people have been thinking that God is only a prophet. He's been there the entire time while they've been looking for him. They've been questioning where he's at the entire time. He's been right in their midst. That's what our lives look like. We get to asking ourselves questions day after day. Where is God with all the suffering in the world? Where is God with all the pain? Where is God when people are losing their life? Where is God? God has been in the midst from the very beginning. He is a very, very present help in the time and trouble. He is our refuge and our strength. Where is God? He's right where he's supposed to be in our midst. He is here with us. Not only does God show up, man, God changes things. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. Not only does he show up, but it tells us that when he shows up, there becomes a new reality. Things change. A new reality happens. God's a game changer. If you look at your own life, and when you begin to follow and to learn from him, you discover that he's a game changer. And, and we love game changers in our culture, don't we? Um, Le- LeBron James is a game changer. You just you put him on any team, like him or not. Uh, the Heat with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade were cute, but LeBron made them champions. Cleveland, never seen one before and will never see one after. He's a game changer. Where he's at right now, eventually he'll be a game. He's a game changer. Where he shows up, winning takes place. Uh, Steve Jobs was a game changer. Not only was he a game changer, but he surrounded himself with other game changers. But isn't it interesting that in, in, in culture, you see where game changers love to surround themselves with other game changers so that they can invite them into their plan. We need to put on that same thing ourselves. We need to recognize that if we don't want life to look the way that it's always looked, at some point in time, in order to change things, you've got to invite the game changer into your life. Because when you do, now what you do, rather than repeating the same old mistakes, they call it, they got a word for that, right? Insanity. Rather than doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results, you invite the game changer because he will make you uncomfortable and give you something different in your life. But we drive ourselves crazy just repeating the things over and over again. That's why Jesus says, listen, come to me, all of you who labor and heavy burden, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. For my, I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He wants to change the game for you. And so he's asking you to place the weight of the world on him because he cares for you. This also points to the fact that wrapped up in Jesus is perfectly blended the most important qualities of his divine nature and human personality. I mean, he, he is perfectly blended. He's, he's 100% God and he's 100% man. I wish I had a good way to like make that pop in your mind like so we could all ex- understand it on a level. But I don't have one. And I'm not for sure that human knowledge could ever come up with something that would help us to fully understand what is it to have 100% of divinity and 100% of humanity wrapped up in one body. There's nothing that we can describe, no words that we can put together to describe that in which I say, that's what makes him our God. 
that he's not fully comprehensible, that there are just some things about him that are inescapable. We just can't fully understand him, but it is perfect. It is blended. And not only is it perfectly blended together, that divinity and that humanity wrapped up in a human personality, but the last thing is this, that God shows up. He changes things because he is perfect in all these ways, and the only reason that he does it is for you. There's, there's no other reason. We, we have a testimony that the angels don't even have. That God came for us and that he is our savior. No, no other beings in all of his creation could ever make that claim for he is only savior to us. And so the entire passage of John 1 is given to us not only to prove who Jesus is, but to display something else. And that's the extent to which God will go to demonstrate what it is about us. And so, again, we discussed this week in week one that we talked about the fact that he's imminent, which is real simple. That means that God is omnipresent, right? He's everywhere at the same time throughout his entire creation. But there's also this other theological idea that not only is he imminent, but he's also transcendent. Now, imminent means that he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Transcendent means that he is superior to creation. It's kind of like he's, he's far off. He seats high above. So he's both with us and he's both far from us all at the same time. Does that make sense? I know it doesn't. He's both with us and superior to us, supreme to us at the same time, which basically means this. There are times in our lives when you need God to be right here. There are those of us who, who, who life has been rough, life has been hard, and the storms that we experience, you need God to be that very present help. You need God to be that refuge and that shrimp. You need his eminence to be here. But then there are some of us, all of us, as a matter of fact, who need God to be just as transcendent, which you need him to be bigger than everything here. You need God to be bigger than your politics, bigger than the hate in our world. You need him to be bigger than the problems that we see, bigger than the media, bigger than the pain and the suffering that transpires in the world. You need to be assured of that. And this Christmas season, that's exactly what we celebrate. The fact that God wrapped himself in flesh, came to us in person so that we would know not only is he transcendent, not only is he bigger than this world, but he's also eminent. He's right here with us. And that he walks with us, he talks with us, so that we'll know exactly who he is. He's bigger than all those things. He's present. He's distant. He's our God. And there are many other ways. No, no, maybe I'm just one who thinks like this. I always ask myself the questions when reading scripture. Well, how come, God, you didn't do things this way? How come when, when there was um, sin in the world, I mean, you're all powerful. How come you just didn't snap your fingers and wipe sin away? I mean, because I believe that he's powerful enough to do that. And God, you're so, so powerful how come you just, you just don't say the words like you did with creation? Just, just utter the word. You ain't got to go through all those things. God, just, just utter the words. How come you just won't do it like that? But I think that would be too easy. And, and I don't think that we would receive it the same way, accept it the same way. 
So rather than just snapping his fingers up, muttering the words, he, he, he simply came into the world. And he made himself like us. And he experienced something so horrific. And then he rose from it to show us how great he is. And this season, we celebrate the start, the beginning of that plan. That God came for us. God came for you. He saw exactly where you were. He sees where you are. Your needs, your desires, your hopes, and the places where you need to be elevated. God said, for you, for that child, I will step into space and time so that I can give them a new hope. That's the Christmas story. God, Emmanuel, eminent in power, in pursuit, and in person. Why? Because of you. Not because of anything so great that you possess. Not because you're extraordinary. Well, you are in his eyes. So as we stand all over this room, before we go, we want to give you an opportunity as our counselors come forward. him say yes to him what am I saying yes to could be a number of things maybe you want to say yes because that forgiveness that we mentioned earlier you've yet to say yes to God as your savior well these three counselors are up here to give you an opportunity to do that they just want to pray with you and lead you before his throne or maybe it's just your heart is heavy. Maybe there's something that you need to talk to God about. They're here for you for that as well. So I'm going to pray. Here's, here's how it happens. There's always somebody who needs to come forward. Always. Because we're people. We're humans. And the enemy's going to tell you, man, don't worry about it. People are looking at you. Man, no, they're not looking at you. They're not worried about you. They're not questioning why you came from. They're happy and celebrating because you made that step. So after I pray, before the next thought comes into your mind, see one of these counselors. Let us pray. God, we are grateful that you are able to do what we cannot without you. So Jesus, come now. our hearts and make us whole. Give us the strength to take the next step with you. That we may experience the fullness of your love, Lord, that you, you came in this season we celebrate for. I pray this for my sister, my brother, who is here today. That they will not leave this place without giving you a yes. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Will you come now? Come see one of these counselors. Will you come? Come on, will you come? Awesome.
prayer. If you're looking for a church home, will you come? Jesus, Jesus.